This is the Apex United Methodist Church podcast. We've been talking about women of the Bible. We've been talking about women of the Bible who teach us many, many things. We've talked about some fairly familiar women, and we have talked about some women that you may never have heard of before. So I've set you up for a great question. Who do you think Jesus' best friends were? Sir, ma'am? His best friends were probably? Not the disciples. Great answer. Most folks would say it. I used to say it until I read the Bible and began to read some commentators about what Scripture really says. Chances are Jesus' best friends were not the disciples. If you read it and are fair, read the New Testament, the disciples were a pain to Jesus. I mean, most, like some of us are today, but, but they were a pain to Jesus. <clears throat> we only hear a few times about a couple of the disciples whom we are told Jesus loved. Now, maybe Jesus would have told you that John was the beloved and a great friend, But if you want to know who Jesus' buddies were, I suspect we should pay attention to the people whose house he went in and out of all the time. He went in and out of the house of a man who was evidently his best friend, a guy whose name was Lazarus. And Lazarus had two sisters, Martha and Mary. And they, living together as three siblings, seemed to be the people that Jesus spent most of his um, knocking back sort of time with. It's evident he went in another house a lot. Theirs is the only house we know had a particular location. It was in a little town named Bethany that was not very far outside of Jerusalem. And the Bible tells us repeatedly that Jesus went to Bethany to see Lazarus, and Jesus went to Bethany and saw Martha, and Jesus went to Bethany and saw Martha and Mary. You get the idea that Jesus liked Lazarus, Martha, and Mary. They must have been his best friends. But Jesus got to know them so well, particularly, evidently, Martha, that Martha and Mary might well be women, best friends of Jesus, along with their brother Lazarus, that we should think about. Because they probably have a great deal to teach us. And through his interactions with them, Jesus himself has a great deal to teach us, a great deal to teach us about ourselves. The first time Martha and Mary show up for themselves in any phenomenal way would be in the Gospel of Luke. This is not them at their best moment, but it sets the stage for the ways that Jesus must have known these two women. He knows them well enough to get involved in a sibling squabble. So listen to how Jesus first interacts with Martha and with Mary. Now, as they were on their way, Jesus entered a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed Jesus into her home. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what Jesus was saying. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks. So Martha came to Jesus and asked, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha. You're worried and distracted by many things. There is need of only one thing. Mary's chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. Ouch, if you're Martha. (laughs) What Martha basically said is, Jesus, please tell Mary to get off, off her duff and to come and to help me because I'm doing all the work. Ever since that happened, people have used and misused this story. Martha gets trashed all the time. Surely you have heard people say, well, I'm just a Martha in a Mary world, or I'm Mary, I'm sublime, I'm, I'm reflective, I'm spiritual, you Marthas. Martha's OCD, which means obsessive compulsive disorder, and, and, and Mary looks pretty slick. 
but there's some Martha in me. You know, I mean, if you don't get up off yourself and go do something, you know, wait for dinner to come to you. Yeah, right. It's not how life works. Mary has always come across throughout history when the story is looked at glibly and not deeply, but somehow so unworldly as to be honestly of not much practical use. She's just sitting there at Jesus' feet. But in that interaction, in the interaction that Jesus and Martha have this exchange, an exchange, you have to note, that has nothing to do with the guy, the other guy, Lazarus, Martha and Mary's brother, Jesus' bud. But in this exchange between Martha and Mary and Martha and Jesus, you begin to get the image for perhaps what it is that Martha has to teach us. I'd ask you to listen to the next great encounter that Martha and Mary and Jesus have together. Lazarus is there, but to put it mildly, Lazarus is passive. He is in a bad way. Lazarus is very sick. Lazarus is so sick that people think he might die. The story is set out in John's 11th chapter. In that particular verse or version of the story, there is this fascinating statement about Jesus, Martha, and Mary. In the fifth verse, we're told Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, who lived in the town of Bethany. Here's an artistic rendering of that. Think about what that says. Jesus loved Martha and her sister Mary and their brother Lazarus. When you get right down to it, albeit in our time people have tried to do all sorts of wacky things with it, the bottom line is that Jesus seems to be very, very good friends with a woman named Martha. And why is it that Jesus and Martha find each other so interesting? And what is it about Martha that seems to so intrigue Jesus spills out in the next several moments of the story? What happens is that Jesus gets a message that Lazarus is very, very sick. They think that Lazarus is going to die. And plainly, Martha and Mary, distressed for their brother Lazarus, send to their friend Jesus, the rabbi, the great teacher, who they know has healed other people before, a message that says you need to come take care of this guy who is your best buddy, and if you don't come quickly, something bad is going to happen to him. And inexplicably, as the story folds out in the 11th chapter, even though he's only a few miles away, Jesus dawdles and takes four days to get from where he was to the little town of Bethany where Lazarus and Mary and Martha live. As the story picks up, when Jesus gets to Bethany, he finds out that Lazarus has already been in the tomb four days. Lazarus is dead. Now, Bethany is only two miles away from Jerusalem, so there would have been plenty of time for Jesus to get there, which only heightens the tension of this particular moment. What's going on in the household of Mary and Martha is what goes on in any Jewish household after somebody dies. Devout Jews sit shiva, which simply means the family of the immediate family of the decedent gathers together and they pray and they mourn for a set period of time. Then the bereaved are supposed to get up, wash their faces, and try to resume ordinary life. As John says, many people had come to Martha and Mary to console them about their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. Mary stayed at home. Pretty typical. Martha goes out. Mary stays at home to mourn. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. I think we say that today. Doctor, you screwed up. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. And Jesus said to Martha, your brother will rise again. 
Martha says to Jesus, I know that my brother will rise again at the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus says back to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, yet will they live, and everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Martha, do you believe this? And Martha said, Yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. Wow. When Martha had said that, Martha goes back to the house and calls her sister Mary and tells Mary privately, the teacher is here. He is calling for you. And when Mary heard it, Mary gets up and goes quickly to see Jesus. Now, Jesus hadn't yet come inside Bethany. He's still at the edge of the town, so Mary and Martha have to go out to the town's edge to see him. And a bunch of the folks who are there mourning with him go with Mary when she goes out to see Jesus on the outskirts of Bethany. Mary came to where Jesus was, and she saw him. She knelt at his feet, and she said to him, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. Jesus saw Mary crying, and the Jews who had come with her were also crying, and he was deeply moved, and Jesus said to Mary, where have you laid him? And Mary says to Jesus, come and see. So they go out to the cemetery. And once they're in the cemetery, and Jesus sees everyone so sad, and because this is his best friend, Jesus cries. And then as Jesus is crying, he is inspired of God, and he says, take away the stone, because Lazarus' body had been put inside a little rock cave, and they rolled rocks in front of the stone the cave entrance. And Martha, who's there, says, Lord, don't do that. He's been dead four days. It'll stink. And Jesus says, roll away the stone. And Jesus calls out to Lazarus. But before he calls out, Jesus says to Martha, don't you want the stone to come away so that you can see the glory of God? And Martha consents. And the stone is rolled away. Jesus calls out to Lazarus, Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus comes out of the tomb. Jesus says, unbind him. Lazarus' body would have been wrapped in strips of cloth. And Lazarus is alive. So what does that mean? Well, I'd ask you to hang on for a moment and to think about those two women, Martha and Mary. I like Martha. She's bold. She is brassy. She's out there. She's willing to say it, and she will say what everybody else is thinking and not willing to say. God is going to stink. Don't take away the stone. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. Don't you care? Get her up and make her come help me. For a couple of millennia now, we have slammed Martha. But all Martha's really doing is being who Martha was meant to be. Martha's bold, brassy out there, and if you don't like it, don't ask her because she will tell you. But notice that Jesus' attraction seems chiefly to be to Martha. Martha always comes first, right? Martha is always the one that Jesus is talking about. Martha is defined as the person Jesus loves and her sister Mary and Lazarus. Martha always pops up first. When you're thinking about Jesus' best friends, odd as it is, you have to begin to think about that, well, while he may have had all three in his head, Martha seems to have been up front. And Martha is someone Jesus takes seriously. When Martha complains or crabs or whatever you want to call it to Jesus about her sister, Jesus basically says, oh, Martha, get a grip. She's got something going on too. You need to learn from her. Jesus takes Martha seriously. 
when Martha comes to Jesus in great anguish and says, if you'd only been here, my brother would not have died. Jesus doesn't dismiss her. Jesus takes her not just seriously about Lazarus's death, but respecting her spiritual understanding, her intellect, and her very life. Jesus chooses Martha, of all the disciples and friends he's got outside of Peter, to be the one to whom he asks the question, do you believe that I'm the resurrection and the life, that I'm the Messiah? And it is only when Martha says, yes, Lord, I believe, that the resurrection power of Jesus begins to unfurl itself to the world. Now, Mary has her own place. And notice that Martha is not insensitive to her sister. When Mary has had her interaction with Jesus and has come to realize that Jesus is life itself, even before something's been done for her brother, Martha goes to Mary and says to Mary in the way that Mary can understand, privately and quietly, the teacher is here, he's asking for you. And only then can Mary get up and go to see Jesus and in quietness, Mary asks the question that Martha boomed out loud. Mary says quietly, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. While Martha is over there pounding her fist in the air saying, yes, right, you should have been here and done it. And Jesus receives Martha in the same way that he receives Mary, and Mary in the same way he receives Martha. He does not make fun of Mary for being quiet and diminutive, nor does he deny Martha's brashness nor the fact that she's out there and bold. And it is only when Martha says, God is going to stink, and Jesus says, don't you want to see the glory of God? And Martha lets the stone be taken away that the glory of God is shown. So that when their brother emerges from the tomb, their brother Lazarus, who's been raised from the dead, and Lazarus goes out into the world, a world in which Lazarus will have to die again, Lazarus will die next time as a changed man. Mindful that he will die to live again. Mindful that he goes not from life into nothingness, but mindful that he goes from this life into a world to come where the Lord God has promised and showed in the power of Jesus that he will raise us up to a new life. But that glory of God was only seen after Jesus said, Don't, Martha, you want to see the glory of God? And she evidently assents, and the stone is rolled back from the tomb entrance. The same brassy, bold woman who's been questioning and pushing and demanding of Jesus all along. So what does that mean? That means that Jesus loved Martha. That means that Jesus saw in Martha a brash, bold, in-your-face sort of person, and he loved all those gifts. And he took her seriously, and he answered her back as good or better than she gave. And that means that Jesus loved Mary, who sat at his feet and received his ministry and listened to his teaching and never raised a stir. And what does that mean for us? That means that some of us are bold and brash. That means that some of us are quiet and direct. It means that every one of us has a gift. And what this story of Martha and Mary tells us is that God understands that we are created in marvelous complexity and marvelous diversity, but if we want to believe to see the glory of God, we have to claim the gifts that lie within us, the gifts that were created by God. People do not want to do that. I couldn't possibly go up and speak to him or her. Oh, I, I just, you know, I need to stay back here and listen to Jesus. Think how often we struggle with acknowledging and claiming the gifts that God has put within us. 
But God says, as Jesus showed through his ministry and life lived with his friends Martha and Mary, everyone of us is gifted. Some of us bold and brash. Some of us quiet and kind. But all of us are gifted by God. That means that you have a gift. The truth is you have gifts. The truth is it is our temptation to deny those gifts. It is easier to simply not use what you've got. What does using what you've got look like? It looks like being bold enough to grow towards Jesus. Guys, it means finding one of those men's ministries and signing up. It means stopping when you're in the parking lot and helping someone load her groceries in the car, even though you just want to get home so you can go out for your tea time. It means speaking up when you hear the disasters and tragedies of Dallas and St. Paul and Baton Rouge being discussed. It means standing up and being a woman or a man of peace in the world of hate. It means living into the giftedness that God put in you. It means becoming sometimes much like Martha. No more of this I don't have it mess. Martha said, the heck you don't have it. Here I am, Jesus. It means sometimes accepting that people are quieter in their giftedness, that they are Marys, find it easier to sit at the feet of Jesus. But when called and told the teacher is looking for you, get up to go to do quietly what they need to be done. And it means that all of us, to see the glory of God, can, by the grace of God, look in ourselves and no longer reject ourselves, And that some of us who through long habit and two centuries of being told, Martha, you need to shut up, have to learn how to claim the gifts that God put within us, have to claim those gifts for ourselves, and no longer deny who we we were created by the maker, by the creator, by the lover of our souls, the almighty God, to actually be. That is very hard work. Because if I speak up and claim the gifts God put in me, then I have to use them. I will be able to celebrate them. I will be able to live in them. I will be able to rejoice that there's a fair amount of Martha in me. I will be able to celebrate the fact that there are, believe it or not, merry moments for me. I will be able to own the man God created in me. I will no longer need to live ashamed or embarrassed, but I will be able to truly be the person God created when he created me. That is God's blessing. If you believe that in the power of Almighty God, you will see the glory of God in the raising of Lazarus from the dead, to be sure. But as Martha and Mary saw the glory of God made real in who they were created to be, as daughters of the Almighty One.